Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For our talk today, we're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, In the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, there are some books in the Bible that are pretty thick and pretty big, like they'll have, you know, 150 uh, chapters. And then there's little ones that are virtually impossible to find. Welcome to 1 Timothy. It's one of those, it's a few pages toward the back of the Bible if you're using a paper Bible. You can also uh, find it on your phone if you'd like. 1 Timothy 4 is where we will be. For an introductory thought, I have benefited from a couple neighbors of mine who tend to be the king of tools. King of tool is tools a bad word now? Can you be a tool and that's a bad thing? Sorry, I just realized what I said. Is that right? Oh, such a tool. Not that kind of king of tools, but like has stuff. To, so here's like a picture. This is not my neighbor Dave's actual garage, but it's this kind of a feel. And just to let you know, I don't go over begging for tools all the time, but every once in a while, if something comes up, I have yet to talk to Dave about a situation that he doesn't have the right tool for the thing. So for example, a few years back, my lawnmower wasn't working right. So, you know, I got it over to Dave's and he's like, oh yeah, wow. And he also knows how to talk like a mechanic. Wow, your, your widget things. Got some angle iron there. Look like the weld broke on that. You need a impact wrench. You know what I mean? And then he will go to, the, I have one specific memory, where he's like, yeah, I got one of those. And then he, when he opened up this one toolbox, he was, and then he went, that one didn't have it, so he went to this one that had all kinds of drawers. Like, well, just, yeah, just a second, we've got an impact widget in here. You know, he's doing this stuff. And if that doesn't work, there's also this, like, corner. Oh, it's got to be over here. So anyway, he's got just lots of things, and I have benefited from that. And the idea there so far is there's a lot of value in having access to the right tool that make, right? It's easy to get your head around that. Another example of that was I have a friend that was in the hospital, just recently went and and visited. And in the hospital room, there were tools. There were, right? There were things and systems and stuff super beneficial to a person who is in the hospital. One last tool idea, uh, YouTube, I just, I just want to boast for a moment. I have actually fixed, on my own, a couple things by going to, I know it's super impressive, because you can YouTube stuff and they will like in a 12-minute video walk you through how to Fix the button, ice button on the refrigerator. Woo! I did it. You know, like stuff like that. Tools can be super valuable. Um, But I want to make a shift here. Although tools are wonderful, they are also, we are wise to understand, physical tools are also limited. For example, this last week there was a suicide at one of our uh, local college campuses. You can't, with the heartbreak of that and that kind of pain and emotional situation, 
You can't just go to Dave, Dave's garage. There's nothing he can pull out of a drawer and go, oh, here, that'll make that better. Does that make sense? It's, you need something beyond some screwdriver. Um, there is not a surgery for your anger problem. You can't go to the doctor and say, can you just cut that out, right? So limited or significantly limited. I don't think you can YouTube your way to happiness, peace, friendship. I don't think you can get that done. You're going to have to have an extra resource, more important resource. And where I'm trying to move us today is the value of spiritual tools, spiritual things. Let me give you, a, oh, I think I would also say for some of the most important things that we hope for and desire in life, you can't get there unless you have the Spirit of God working in us. We just won't get there. So here's a Bible verse from Galatians 5.22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit, and that it has a list of things that if, if you're like me, you would love this. I'd like to have love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Can you feel the description of those words? I would like to live there. Love, joy, peace, like that's... That's what we want. Well, the key to that does not come out of a tool chest drawer. It comes from the Spirit. It is the Spirit that opens the door to those, arguably, some of the most important things in life. In Mark chapter 5, there's a homeless man. And Mark's one of the books in the Bible. It's one of the Gospels. And in Mark chapter 5, there's a story of a homeless man who's crazy, lonely, violent, naked, and he's a cutter. And by the time you get to the end of the story, probably a few, maybe an hour and a half later, a few hours later, it says, there's, here's how it describes him. It says the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, he was sitting, dressed, and in his right mind. How did that happen? It was an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus did not introduce to him algebra or science. He introduced to him, brought with him, Jesus brought with him an encounter with the Spirit of God. That was what was transformative. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, the writer of Timothy, his name is Paul, and he describes his life and his transformation. And he says, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. But the grace of our Lord was poured out on me. That's how he got transformed. An encounter with God. By the way, I think there are cultural things that I'm grateful for the tools that we have culturally. But I'm not sure that we're getting them fixed. These are just sad cultural realities that will come up on the screen. 20% of Americans will, ex will experience mental illness. 50% of all marriages, these are approximate, 50% of all marriages will end in divorce. This was new to me. I did not know it was this high. 75% of people will be affected by violent crime. That is rising. And I think, well, that must be in family. Like three out of four will be affected by a violent crime. 
doesn't that seem high? But then I watch the news and stuff, and I feels like those numbers are sure rising. I grabbed this next, next statistic from local television station, WNDU, and this was a report on last year that in our community, there were 121 shooting victims and over 1,000 violent incidences in our community. How are we going to fix that? Wouldn't it be great to impact that? And I would say, can the political situation, and can we, you know, go for all those kinds of things, we education, can we reach for all those things? Yes. But here is a verse I have never, I don't know that I've ever used this in a message before. Galatians 5.15 says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And then here's the direction of God. So I say, walk. What's the, what's the key? Walk in the, the spirit. God would say, no, 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 no. You want to affect those things, change those things. Walk in the spirit. So hold those thoughts. We're kicking off a series called Six Habits, Pursuing the Exceptional Spiritual Life. And the hope over the next six weeks is that God will pour into us a greater measure of his spirit, more open doors that we could develop our spiritual tool, the spiritual tools in our life. Ultimately, that will affect all of our life. And uh, so today we're going to look at our theme verse, which again is in 1 Timothy 4. Tiny bit of background. The writer is Paul. He's writing to Timothy. That's why the book of the Bible is called Timothy. Uh, and Paul really likes Timothy. He is one of <clears throat> Paul's spiritual sons. He says, Paul says of this Timothy young man, he says, uh, calls him a true spiritual son. He actually says at one point, I have no one else like him. So does that mean he's like, I have nobody like this Timothy guy. And Paul is coaching him on his spiritual life. And here's what he says in verse 7. In the midst of this coaching, <clears throat> he says to him in this written letter to him, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. It's just a couple verses. Let's read it again. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So again, our series is called Six Habits, Pursuing the Exceptional Spiritual Life. And what I've got is two 
principles from this text that will help us grow in our, uh, in our, our spiritual life, I would argue, make us exceptional. And so, would you stand? We're going to pray about the rest of this talk, and we're going to pray for the next six weeks that God will develop us. So, let's pray. Father, uh, we got this time, the rest of our time today. We have the next six weeks during church. We have the next six weeks for many of us that do Bible time. I ask God, your spirit would develop us so that we would be strong, stronger. For some of us that we would start to develop our spiritual muscles so that we can more effectively navigate this life. I pray that this would impact us and that we would have a ripple effect on the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for standing uh, and praying. And for some of you that woke you up again, which isn't it nice to stand every once in a while and say, oh yeah, what are we doing? Oh yeah, okay. We're in a sermon. This is a sermon. We're talking about God and stuff. For those of you who've been asleep, it's not that big of a deal. Those of you at home, never mind. All right, so we got two principles from this text. The first one is this. The exceptional spiritual person recognizes the limitations of the physical world. The limitations of the, of the physical world. Can I go on a tangent right now? Someone's like, please. So right out here on this side of the church, someone's got a fifth wheel that they pulled in and they're going to go camping. Who's got the fifth wheel? Does anybody, is, did someone just give that to me or was it, <laughs> is anybody, this is not a bad thing. Does, no, did you see it? Maybe they, maybe they were here first. It's not there anymore. Did anybody see it? It's like a giant house on wheels. So you know what's easy for me to do is to look out at a, the fifth wheel and think, you know what? My whole life would be awesome if I just had one of those. Does that make sense? Now, that, maybe that's just me, but you know how it's so easy to overestimate the value and the impact of a physical thing. Does that, no? Are there any motorcycles sitting out front right now? Yeah, who owns those? I want to be your friend. <laughs> nobody, nobody owns anything in a parking lot. So it's a free-for-all after church, just grab something and go. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, why don't you stay here? I'm going to go get my first pick. I'm going to take off. I'm going to go do this thing. No, but how easy it is to look at the physical realm and think, oh, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I need. That's what I need. So, again, this point is going to be the exceptional spiritual person recognizes the limitations of the physical world. In our text, it says physical training is of some value. It's not of ultimate value. The word there for this some value, it means few, little, small. Other uh, translators have translated this same verse. Physical exercises of, it's called limited value. My favorite is this new American standard where it says bodily training is here <laughs> just slightly beneficial. <clears throat> we would be wise to remember that as we walk through this world. Now we I think you've talked a little bit about that in the introduction. But we would be wise to remember <clears throat> the, the limited value. <clears throat> excuse me while I throw up. <clears throat> Sorry about that. 
the limited value of the physical world, it's important to keep that in mind in a world that over, does it, over promotes the importance of physical stuff. Example, the Nutribullet. Have you, have you know, right? Some of you are thinking, oh yeah, that blender thing, right? Oh no. So much more. So much more. Oh, the promises of the Nutra bullet, often called the magic bullet. Here's what I found out about this little gem it says it's not a blender. It's not? No, tell us more. It is a nutrition extractor. Oh! It has a 600-watt motor. It has exclusive cyclonic action. It has turbo extractor blades that travel at 10,000 RPMs. Then it shows pictures like this next one about how amazing the Nutribullet is. And this next is a direct quote from their website or a commercial that I found. It says, juicers make juice, blenders make smoothies. The Nutribullet makes supercharged Nutriblasts that will transform your life. Is that crazy? How many of you right now are online? Like, I need one of those. Can I get four of them? And what I'm saying from our text is the wise person in a world that overpromotes things will be, will, will reel that into reality and remember, most likely, that it will be of some value, right? Instead of thinking it's probably all that. By the way, this is, uh, I'm going to go on just a little, a little bit of a path here to give you some theology, some understanding about this, how the spiritual world works regarding the devil and the enemy. The devil is a liar. It's one of his characteristics. And he oversells the material world. First, first time we ever see the devil in the pages of the Word of God, the Bible, is in Genesis chapter 3, and he is interacting with Adam and Eve, primarily Eve, and here's what he says to Eve about a piece of fruit. It says, he says to Eve, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. How wonderful does this sound? Your eyes will be open and you will be like God. She knows who God is, all powerful and amazing and just did creation. And the devil is saying, here, just eat this piece of fruit and that's what will happen. He is so lying about the impact of that piece of fruit. The first time I've ever thought about, I wonder how disappointed Eve was. After she bit into that and thought, this is going to be the most amazing thing ever. And 24 hours later, 
it so did not give the returns, right? But the devil was saying, this will change your, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Oversell. He still does it today. I was thinking, how many horrible, here this will come up on the screen, how many horrible experiences start with some grand deception? The Bible's full of them. There's an Old Testament character named David, a great guy, almost all the time. He falls for the deception of, he sees a, a, a young lady bathing, and I think probably in his mind he thought, this is going to be awesome. He ends up committing adultery with her, and it leads into the worst season of his life. Last weekend we talked about Easter, and part of the Easter story is when Jesus was uh, I can't think of the word. Judas betrayed him. And Judas, one of the disciples. Part of that story is for 30 pieces of silver. He gave Jesus up to be crucified. And I think probably behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. The enemy or his flesh was thinking 30 pieces of silver. This is going to be so worth it. But within 24 hours instead, he becomes suicidal and kills himself. It did not give the return, right? Oversell. How many horrible experiences start with a grand deception? And that's not just Bible times, that's us. Anybody ever went to a party, a party scene, and you think, man, this is going to be awesome. This drink is going to be amazing. We're going to have so much fun. And then, you know, like so many hours later, you're... You know, your friend's wiping puke off your shirt. and you're, I know, I'm sorry. None of you have ever been in a place like this, I'm sure. But right, or you wake up the next day and you're like, man, I do not feel good all day. For Some of you right now, remember last night was going to be so good, but you're in a hangover right now in church. All of a sudden, somebody's going, this guy. Did you know what I mean when it... It's going to be amazing. And then something, it's just not that. I mean, you didn't like that one. Some of you didn't like that at all. Or you think this romantic thing is going to be super hot, and instead you end up brokenhearted. Or you go for a purchase, and you think this is going to change my life because it's going to be show, so shiny and wonderful and all those things. And instead, it really just returns just a little bit. And sometimes then ends up causing financial stress because you still got to pay for it. <laughs> So here's the idea. You can write this in. In a world with a lying devil and hyper-advertising, keep a cool head. That's the idea. An exceptional spiritual person will have a filter in the midst of all the hype and just remember physical training, physical things really are limited in their value. By the way, I'm not trying to convince you to, don't, to not enjoy physical things. Many of those things are a blessing. But the, but the idea would be to keep that in balance so that we have the best focus on God. There, ah, I'm taking way too long with this. 
All right, fill in the blank. Am I putting too much focus in a physical dream or on a physical, in the physical realm? That's the idea with this first point. Just remember the limited value of the physical things and then, of course, the benefit of godliness. Transition into the second point. So the first one was recognize the limitations of the physical world. The second thing is the exceptional spiritual person applies spiritual benefits to this life. Spiritual benefits to this life, not just eternity. I think it's very, we'll get to the text in a minute. I think it's pretty easy to think, well, why do you pray? Why, do, why are you generous? Why do you forgive? Why do you go to church? Why do you worship? And it's easy to just think, well, because in heaven, in heaven, you'll be glad you did. But from our text, those spiritual disciplines also affect our life now. Verse 8, godliness has value for all things holding promise for, and I've highlighted both the present life and the life to come. Both. Here's where we're heading. You can write this in. Don't ever think that spiritual development only affects our distant future. Oh my, I'm thinking of tangent number two. Don't ever think that spiritual development only affects our distant future. I think it's easy at times for people on the outside of Christianity to think, you're nuts for giving up some of those earthly things. You know, like they look at us, if you live for God and you're serious about God, they will look at you strangely because you do not participate in some of the other things in life. And here's what I would say. Now, I don't do that. I, 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 when I'm doing well, I do that because it's a better way to live. Not just better morally because so that you're right with God. The benefits of living for God matter. More peace, love, joy in our... No? Do you guys get this? It really is. I watch. I cannot imagine where my life would be by now without God in it. Now, I may be dumber than most of you, but do any of you ever see the trajectory of your life and realize, oh God, I'm so glad you saved me because by now I would have been even a more screwed up mess than I am. Does that, some of you, you're just awesome, but for the rest of us, that realize the depravity of who we are and how dumb we can be and how much that hurts us and other people. Here's what, I, what we're trying to get to. I got to get back to my notes because I've lost it. I'm not sure where we're at. So I'm just going to talk now about whatever comes to my brain. No. There are huge benefits in this life of spiritual pursuit and excellence. David, man in the Old Testament who had, a, had his flaws, but it says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. And he won victory after victory after victory after victory after victory in this 
life. It was not just about eternity. In this life. There's a woman in the Gospels, a story where she works her way through the crowd because she's got a, a, a physical illness that she, the doctors just can't fix. And so she works at getting to Jesus and she reaches out and she touches his clothes because in her, in her mind, she's thinking, if I just touch this guy, he's got so much power, it will heal me. And it happens when that day, instantaneously, the pursuit of God matters in this life. Does it always happen instantaneously? I wish it did. It doesn't. But can we, should we put our hope in following God matters in this life? Yes, we totally should. It works. I uh, was, I traveled this last week. I had some meetings in Denver, Colorado. Denver's kind of pretty. Kind of a neat place. They have what they call the sun. Way more regularly, I think, than here. Anyway, so I was trying to balance. I had these meetings I needed to, leadership meetings I had to attend, and I also wanted to put together a talk. So one morning I was sitting in the hotel room, and uh, things were not going well on the talk. You may be thinking, yeah, we know. We're listening to it right now. But... <laughs> But I was trying. Have you ever like tried? I was like trying. So I was about two hours into this thing. And, and I'm like, this is horrible. None of this works. This is... And so I got this brilliant idea. I thought, you know what? I think I'll just go for a little walk. And I'll just connect with God. Because this is not working. And so long story short, I took maybe 20 minutes. Left the hotel room. Went down and I sat. And I just had a connection. I said, Lord, you know all this. And I can't do this without you. And by the way, I love you. And. Thanks for life. And, you know, I just had this authentic lean in and remember who God is. So I did that for just 20 minutes. And I don't know specifically that I prayed, will you help me with this talk? But I, I went back up, went to the same little corner in my same little laptop. And in the next eight minutes, I made more progress. I just did this like, oh, yeah. That's so much better than everything I was thinking. And it doesn't always happen that way. But regularly, regularly, I will connect with God. And from that, the fruit of developing that spiritual discipline, something good will happen in my life. That's what I'm trying to point out to. Okay, Matthew 6, 9. It's part of what uh, some of you would know as the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. That's what we're supposed to pray, and God will respond. Matthew 6 describes what a non-Christian perspective often does. It says the pagans run after all these things. Whoops, things, the things, material things. They run after stuff. But it goes on to say, the challenge that God would call us to is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, spiritual things. And then here's the promise. It says, all these things will be given to you. That's God saying, you focus on me. I'll take care of this stuff. I know you need it. I know it'll be a blessing. I want you to have some joy in your life. Let me give you those 
So question come up on the screen. What worry or want do you have? I'm thinking of a desire that you have in your life. A lot of them are probably good desires. You'd like to enjoy this or have this or have peace or a relationship. Here's what we're pointing toward. Don't put the next slide up yet. Uh, what we're pointing toward. There's two approaches. You can either focus your life on the pursuit of the physical realm, but I would tell you a better way is to focus the bulk of your life on spiritual things and let God bring you them. And while I was thinking about this in that weird little hotel room where I was trying, I had a picture, and I think it was a picture that God put in my brain. It was like a daydream thing, and I'm going to share that with you now. Um, what I pictured was a child in a grocery cart being pushed through a grocery store, something like this. And here's, so some of you, as soon as you talk about child grocery cart, like you're thinking, no, this is not a dream, this is a nightmare. <laughs> because you've seen that, or right? Um, but what I, I when it, the picture came to my mind, I'm like, what is, you know, kind of like, what is this? And then here's the application of the picture. By the way, we're the kid. You can leave that up there. We're the kid. Let's go back. There we go. That's us. We're not that cute, but you know what I mean. We're the kid in the grocery cart. God the Father is the one, the parent, pushing the grocery cart. And here's the deal. There are two approaches to us going through this life. One, we can be the reachy, distracted toddler that is going for everything on the shelves, you know, so much so that the parent is like, let's stay in the middle of the aisle so that they can't actually, right? We can either live our life like that, or we could be the kid that instead of looking at all the stuff, we could look up into the face of our father and trust that as he moves us through life, he will bring stuff in. The second way, the second way is the spiritually exceptional person and way of life. Does that make sense? That's part of our hope for, um, it's part of our hope for this series. So here's a last fill in the, nope, it isn't. Yes, it is. Oh, wow, what happened? Let's go. Oh, no, my brain's not working. Here's the last fill in the blank. What spiritual habit am I called to do right now? Just a closing thought, and I want to pause. Is there something that God is calling you to to develop the spiritual side of life? Bible time, prayer. Maybe you're supposed to prune some physical things out, like you're spending way too much time on that hobby. Like, seriously, the hobby is not going to fulfill your life. could be putting a relationship in a more appropriate place. Anything that we lift up too high is the Bible would call idolatry. Got any idols in your life? Things that were like, if I just had that. How about if we just had more emphasis on God? Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.